got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Derek Johnson with you. I am back, though. He's back. Still not 100% on the voice. Yeah. But uh, certainly better than I think you last heard me on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Way Thank better. you to Nick Springer for filling in yesterday. Did an admirable oh, of job. Course. Of course. And uh, appreciated the day off with the rest for my voice. So uh, <coughs> we're going to be talking plenty KU basketball today. We got audio from Jalen Wilson. We got audio from Bill Self. We're going to have Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, join the show in less than 20 minutes from right now. And we got our KU mailbag. We also got Kyla Middlebrook. The KU Women's Basketball Assistant Coach. She'll join us in the 5 o'clock hour, which will be followed by Florida Man Mad Libs. So, really fun show coming at you today. Four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. How about this? After uh, all the videos came out and Patrick Mahomes was a full participant in practice yesterday, he uh, has gotten the line to move. The Chiefs are now favored again by a point. Well, that kind of answers the age-old question of how many points is Patrick Mahomes worth for the spread? (laughs) Evidently, he's worth quite a quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. It was it was the Chiefs, the Chiefs minus two and a half. I think is what it opened at. Start, yeah. And then oh, there was the questions. It drops to I think the Bengals got two and a half for the Bengals. Yeah, the Bengals. Then it went up to almost two, two and a half for the Bengals. Now we're back to the Chiefs favored. So hopefully, you got the Chiefs at plus two and a half. Yep. Well, I I certainly think it's interesting because uh, the rush yards prop is not on there for Patrick Mahomes on ah, DraftKings right now. So interesting. I don't think everybody totally knows what to expect with everything. Um, but, you know, if, if Patrick Mahomes looks as good as some of those videos and is a full participant, then... He seems kind of fine. I, either this is the biggest ruse by the Chiefs and they are pulling it off, or he actually, like, is fine. So, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code KLWN. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championship and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. So I wanted to open up the show today, like finding flaws in Kansas. What basically are the flaws that have led to this downswing for KU, to have them having three straight losses and potentially to not meeting the goals of, of what they wanted to do this season or at the end of the day when they, you know, th- their season does come to a close, if it doesn't end with, you know, Final Four, if it ends with a, a second round or Sweet 16 loss, 
what are we going to be looking back on and being like, yeah, that was the the weakness. That was the reason why. So I wanted to go and, and look at some of the correlations between their losses or just in general finding flaws with this team and, and go over some of the biggest things here. Uh, I think the first that you would point out would just be starts to games. Yeah, certainly if we're looking at it from more of a, of a micro view of specifically the three losses they've had recently, it's been bad starts, right? It's been... It's been getting in a hole early and just constantly having to play from behind. And Bill Self talked about how, yeah, that wears on you, both mentally and physically. If you're constantly having to play from behind, which has been the case for Kansas, I mean, you, you even go back to the Tennessee game way back when in November, they got down 12 to 3 early in that game. It was 12 to 3. They had came with three points like eight minutes into the game. It was 12 to 3 at that point. They ended up rallying back a little bit in the first half, ended the, still ended the half down eight in that one against Tennessee. Against K State, you were down thirty-three to nineteen. Again, rallied and it was pretty back and forth in the second half. But if you don't get in that deep hole early, maybe it's a different game. And, and against TCU, it was fourteen to thirteen at the under sixteen timeout, and then things just completely unraveled. It bloomed up to thirty-three to thirteen in the first half, and at that point, it was the game was kind of over. I mean, I know Kansas kind of made a push and hung around at half, but I mean, when you're down twenty in the first half, like. I don't know. I don't care if you're playing at Allen Fieldhouse or wherever. That's that's almost impossible to come back from. And it was for Kansas, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then you even look at Baylor. Baylor, you go down twenty to seven early. You go down thirteen. So you look at their four losses. They were down nine early to Tennessee. Down fourteen in the latter part of the first half against K State. Down twenty against TCU, and down thirteen against Baylor. And it's like you even look at some of the wins, and it's like, well, this could have been a lot easier for yeah, you. I mean, Oklahoma, you know? you're down ten with three minutes left. Oklahoma State, State, State you were down. Half. Yeah. It's just making things more difficult on yourself. Yeah. Um, so that, that though, would certainly be there. And, like, you know, it's it's one thing. Because it, if you get down 15 in a second-round game where you're the— Like, it's one thing to be down 15 in the title game. It's another thing to be down 15 in a game where you're the two-seed playing the seven, and it feels like all the momentum is going against you because you are— the overwhelming favorite. Like in the title game, it's just like we're just leaving it out all on the wall. If you're down 15 in an earlier round, the pressure starts to mount. So if that pops up in the NCAA tournament, like that could be bad news. Well, it would be bad news. Yeah, and the other thing we talked about is the starting lineup is probably not going to change, right? I mean, I mentioned this yesterday while you were gone, but like I think the only reasonable possible change you could make in the starting lineup would be to start Joe over like Kevin, okay, but how badly, what or what would you have to see to consider making that change? Like, how long would you have to see KU getting off the bad starts? McCuller continuing to struggle offensively. Like, what well, I don't know, what would you have to see to even really, I guess, entertain that possibility? I don't think it is a possibility, to be completely honest. I don't really think it is either. But I mean, if we're sitting here in four or five games from now and it's the same deal, I mean, how many times can you beat your head against the wall and expect a different outcome? With the same five guys, if you're if you get down if you're getting down 10, 12 points literally every game, yeah, in the first half, wh- I mean, what what changes? Something's got to change. I think it's less about a personnel change and more about like a, I don't know, just trying to figure out <laughs> the psyche of what goes in before just, a game. Just get better, like, yeah. Just I mean, get Bill better, Self, guys. Bill Self kind of joked about it today as his presser, and we'll share this for you later. He was basically like, I I don't know, like. What do I just, need to do just, to tell my guys to make two of the first three shots? You know what I mean? Sucking. Like, he's just yeah, like, just, I don't know just what I'm, don't you know. Don't be bad. Yeah, right? 
Um, the other one is, is, and this is one that when we asked our guests about it, kind of on that one week, couple weeks ago, we were trying to, you know, feel out everybody what their thoughts were. The lack of energy kept being brought up where when KU doesn't play with a lot of energy, it leads to a lot of those slow starts or it leads to a lot of lethargic play. Yeah. But when they are playing turned up with a lot of energy, a lot of times that leads to them being a better rebounding team, leads to them being a better defensive team, leads to them getting a bunch of steals and getting out in transition where they're really at their best. That to me is is the one where I don't totally know what to do with it because I I do think there are times like the Baylor game, I don't I don't know that it was a Maybe in the, the first five minutes, if you compare to Baylor's energy the first five minutes at KU's, there's probably a difference. But over the long haul of that game, I don't think there was a huge difference. No. At the same point in time, like you look at that the execution at the end of the K-State game, that wasn't about a lack of energy or effort, but there are a lot of times this year where that is the case. Yeah. But I do wonder if in the NCAA tournament, like you're just in the NCAA tournament, the effort's going to be there. So I, yeah. I don't know how much I'm worried about this one. Well, and also when it comes to this discussion of like energy and stuff, it's it's really hard to to pinpoint what that means exactly. It's a very abstract idea, right? Like when you, you can just say lack of energy. What exactly right. does that mean? You can't. There's not really any necessarily like real concrete evidence that you can point to and be like, here, look, this is what you know. This is what it is. I mean. You know, you, you can look at it and look at, oh, well, these teams are getting a lot, of offense, a lot of offensive rebounding, and maybe that has a correlation or, you know, second chance points, things like that. But, again, it's not like a one-to-one ratio there. You know, there's other factors involved. So, this is – it's definitely a tough one, and, and I do think that to a certain extent, like, just being like lack of energy is almost kind of like a – I don't want to call it a cop-out, but almost like a sort of like an, an easy excuse – for why you might be struggling, right? Just be like, oh, well, you know, we were lacking energy tonight. Well, what exactly does that mean? It just means you weren't, I guess you just weren't good enough. I don't know, but it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint that. I think athletic and physical teams is, if we're looking at the opposition, what scares you matchup-wise, uh, I think that's the correlation between the teams KU has played. So Duke is a very athletic, physical team and has a lot of length. Um, they gave you trouble, but you ended up winning that game. Yeah, Tennessee. Duke, Duke stinks, by the yeah. way. They I know, stink. but they gave you trouble. Uh, Tennessee obviously just beat you up physically. Yeah, just length. Kansas yeah. State has a lot of length and athleticism. Like, I mean, they're playing a couple six ten athletic like wings at the four five. Keontae Johnson's a really good athlete. Marquise Noel is really fast, and then TCU obviously is as good physically as anybody in the Big Twelve. And those are your those are three or four losses. I mean, the Baylor one's kind of the one, but even then, like Baylor's an athletic team. Like, that's a physical... Flo Thamba is a physical marvel at center, yep. and I know it's different from how we think. When when you when it, you hear the word athletic or physical, you think of somebody looking like Mark Vidal or Oscar Shibway. But the way that those Baylor guards are so quick and athletic and fast, like, in a different sense, they're, yep. they're very athletic. So I think, I think that's something matchup-wise. It's less a concern for me about, like, oh, are you going to face a mid-major who has a stretch five? Like, oh, you have KJ Adams, whatever. It's more about, are you going to face a really physical athletic team? Yeah, and from the Kansas standpoint, like the athletes that you have on Kansas that you would expect to maybe kind of counter this would be some of your younger guys, MJ Rice specifically and, and Ernest Uday, right? Like those are two guys that I think generally we all agree are pretty athletic dudes, but they just they haven't quite figured it out from the basketball standpoint. And and I do think it's interesting with with some of the schools that use a lot more one and done players, which Kansas really hasn't done that that much under Bill Self. But when you look at the Kentuckys of the world, and now even Duke, I think to a certain extent, when you when you have a very athletic team, it's generally what it consists of is a lot of one-and-done guys who maybe from the basketball standpoint aren't as polished, but they just out-athlete you, basically, right? And I think that I think 
what you can look at for Kansas this season is like look at the TCU game. I mean, TCU on paper, they're not a particularly they're they're a bad shooting team actually from three at least. Yeah. They're not a particularly great team in terms of shooting at the ball at all, and it's not like their offense was anything really well polished or you know well thought out offense. It was really just they just blew you away with transition and being able to use their athletes to 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 do that right. So that's one example. But again, from from the Kansas perspective, it's like if you were going to try to match up with that, you would look at MJ Rice or in a studio, But those guys obviously haven't really been in a position to to showcase that because they haven't maybe figured out as much of the basketball aspect of it. I don't know. That, that's kind of a tough one. But, but yeah, I, I think certainly this is another one where it's like once you get to the tournament, I, I agree. I don't think it's really a concern unless you get to, like, the Elite Eight and then you run into a team that's really physical or athletic. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the next one is turnovers. KU's worst three turnover games by turnover rate, all losses. And their fourth loss is their seventh worst turnover game. And I think you look at Dewan Harris's struggles the last few games, like, okay, you're going to have worse turnover games when your point guard who's handling the ball for a majority of the time and plays 30, 35 minutes in a game struggles. So I don't know how worried about this one I am long term because I do expect Dewan to figure it out. But the longer this goes where you don't figure it out, then it becomes more of an issue. Yeah, I think this really illustrates how Dewan Harris is really the linchpin of the offense when it comes to handling the ball, right? Like, yeah, as you said, he's your point guard, and when he's playing 35 minutes a game, he's the guy that's probably touching the ball the most. Like, if you were to try to break it down per possession of who has the ball the most amount of time each possession, probably Dewan Harris is going to be number one most possessions, right? So that that's very critical. And I talked about this yesterday, too, of like, Dewan, you would hope that he can become a guy who not necessarily is a scorer, but becomes a scoring threat. However, that being said, with the way that he plays and his style, it's more of a priority that he figures out these past couple games of figuring out how to not turn the ball over than it is of, to try to become a scoring threat. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Like you want like, but if the, between those two things, you would rather him figure out how to get out of the slump that he's in in terms of turning the ball over before he worries about trying to score too much because he can be your fifth scoring option or your fourth scoring option and it's fine. But if he's going to be the guy that's touching the ball, you know, 30, 40% of the time, each possession, you want him to have his head swiveled on straight in terms of not turning the ball over and finding teammates that can go create and do stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of interesting because I did talk about less. I did talk about quite a bit yesterday about Dewan or Bobby or Joe growing to be more of a scoring threat, but in this case, that that while that while I do think that still is going to be important, I think it's more important and more of a priority for Dewan to just figure out taking care of the ball because of what he's asked to do in the offense, which is be that linchpin, be the guy mm-hmm. that is touching the ball the most out of anybody else. Now the next two I have, they, they just kind of circle back to the energy one, so we don't need to retread over these, but defense in general, defensive rebounding, I think if the, the energy's there, you're fine, but I, I will bring up here are KU's seven worst Defensive rebounding games, starting with the worst. Duke, near loss. Tennessee, 14-point loss. Baylor, 6-point loss. Iowa State, near home loss. TCU, 23-point loss. Missouri, oddly enough, blowout win. And then K-State, 1-point loss. So clearly you need to rebound. But uh, what about this one, too? This is something we've been talked about really all week long. Uh, lack of bench impact. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that can also be tied to having a bad start. Yeah. Because when you do have – when you struggle – out the gate with your starters, 
then it's okay. You have to exert more, like we talked about. You have to focus a little more and do things to try to get out of that hole, and that wears down your starters. And yep. If you don't have anybody that can come in and offer some sort of scoring punch or offer some sort of relief, but it's not. But when I say relief, I mean like a situation where you can have a guy come off the bench and not automatically know that the to- that the level of play is going to drop off. Yeah, which has been the case. Yeah, and I think a lot of times the bench, it's almost like, can you just sustain for us? But if exactly. you're down, they have to catch up. They can't just sustain. Exactly. Like when Bobby comes in for Joe, or when Bobby comes in for Dwan, it's like, okay, just don't screw it up. Basically. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Joe. It's like, you know, just just don't uh, don't let it get any worse. Which when you're already losing, that's not a recipe for success. So which of these do you think scares you the most long term? Ooh. Um I would say the I defensive the, rebounding for me. Yeah, I, yeah. That one's tough to figure out what the say, avenue is. Yeah. Like the rest you can be like, well, they they can pick up the energy for the defense and we've seen them in years past figure out the defense as the year goes on and yeah. the turnovers I expect Dewan to get better and uh the terrible and starts like, like that could quickly change. And I think you it's not like you can't beat athletic or physical teams. Right. So that's not really a huge worry. But, I mean, I think you could kind of tie that into defensive rebounding. If you're facing a team that's very athletic, that then makes it more difficult for you to succeed rebounding-wise. That Those kind of maybe go together in that case. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think rebounding, because, again, I think you you have to assume that Dewan's going to figure it out. And you have to assume that Bill's going to figure it out when it comes to starting slow at some point. All right, and then with the energy, you know, same thing. I yeah. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a break. Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joins us next. That time on a Thursday, joined by Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks. Talk a little KU basketball ahead of their game in Lexington on Saturday against Kentucky. And uh, you can hear it here on KLWN. Pre-game 530 tip-off will be at 7 o'clock. Um, for KU and Kentucky. Uh, I guess first things first, they always make a big deal in Rupp Arena about the the soft serve, the ice cream. Brian, have you ever had the uh, soft serve ice cream at Rupp Arena? I have not. That sounds like a great question for Greg Gurley. But uh, <laughs> I, I have not. I, I've experienced Rupp. This will be my third time. And uh, first time I ever went, they had Michael Buffett doing the um, – uh, let's get ready to rumble from center court. That's right. Not a regular thing. It was special for the KU Kentucky game. We won that one. We lost my second trip there, and uh, excited for this rubber match here. But uh, you know, it's it's kind of weird. It's it's connected to a, a shopping mall and a hotel, and so it doesn't hmm. have that standalone mystique like the old barn that is Allen Fieldhouse. But so maybe ice cream can make up for some of that. I'll have to go hunting for it this week. There we go. Um, So we were just talking about some of the flaws plaguing KU right now, and we're kind of going over the different things that have maybe been deemed as weaknesses to this point and which of them we maybe see to be most correctable, which of them maybe we we deem to be uh, ones that that could hurt the rest of the way. What do you view right now to be KU's biggest flaw? And of the, the flaws that they've shown, how correctable do you think they are? Well, the biggest flaw that you can't correct is the fact that our starting five man is six seven and so against matchups like Flo Thamba and Oscar Sheboy you're giving up a lot in terms of height and length which makes defensive rebounding so difficult and so obviously a night like the other night where 
down in Waco, you know, Kansas gives up 16 second chance points on 17 offensive rebounds. That's going to be something that you really have to work hard to correct because inherently you're just smaller than everybody. But, you know, the, the biggest, I guess, uh, the easiest answer as to why that we've lost three in a row here, if you have to pinpoint one thing or another, it clearly DeWan Harris has not been himself. And I, I think whether it happened on the fall when he went face first into the hardwood in Manhattan, or if he's just going up against some better guards that have forced him into a rough spell in an otherwise impressive junior season, I, I think clearly, you know, if DeWan's playing his normal level, we probably win the K-State game. I mean, if you gave me two cracks at coming up with a bucket in a tie game at the end of regulation and down one at the end of overtime, I'd take that to the bank every day of the week and twice on Sundays. The Kansas scores in one of those two instances. We didn't even get off a shot in either instance, and that's so unlike the one. The turnovers continued versus TCU, officially three. We had him for five just uh, to the naked eye on the broadcast, and then obviously he struggled in Waco, too. And I just don't think he's, he's looked like himself of late. That's the most easily correctable thing, because obviously you're not going to grow K.J. Adams five inches taller between now and Selection Sunday, but you can get DeWan back to playing the way he was playing before that, and I hope that happens as soon as Saturday in Lexington. He needs to get his confidence back. I thought it was great to see Grady Dick be more aggressive in driving the ball, and Kevin McCuller looked a lot more assertive to me as well. I know he didn't hit an outside shot, but eight for eight from the free throw line and not turning down looks, which was something he did repeatedly in the TCU game, showed me that he was getting a little of his mojo back. So what you can't correct is, is the height mismatch inside, unless Ernest starts playing a ton more minutes. Uh, what you can correct is more steady play at the point guard spot, and I really do expect that to be a lot better in the next couple of games. Another common theme, I think, from Kansas in this three-game slide has been starting slow, getting down double digits in, in these games early. What do you think Kansas can do, or what do you think they can't, they need to do to avoid maybe getting off to a slow start and finding their rhythm earlier in the game? Great question. I asked the same of Coach Self on Tuesday. I said, what's the common denominator to these slow starts? Down 14 at K-State, down 22 to TCU, down 13 in Waco. And he said there's things defensively they could probably be doing better. But, you know, when TCU opens 13 to 15, and half of those shots were pretty well contested. Sometimes you just run into a buzzsaw. But it is a discouraging theme that you bring up, Nick, and a very astute observation that we can't afford to keep clawing out of these holes because you expend so much energy doing it. I don't know if you guys caught the metaphor that Coach Self had on Hawk Talk about playing from behind when you get behind that big that early. But for a guy that went to school in Stillwater where the National Wrestling Hall of Fame is held, he talked about the energy expended by a wrestler who's being pinned to the mat. And he said, you know, you fight tooth and nail to get back on top. But once you do, you're so exhausted that you're almost just as vulnerable, even if you flip positions with the guy that had you pinned, because you are working twice as hard to get out from underneath the guy on top as the guy that has the upper hand. And I think we've seen that with Kansas. You know, I, I really felt like last Saturday when we clawed back from down 22 to down 10 at the half, we all expected the run would keep coming. And, and Kansas would come all the way back, and it would be the greatest comeback in Allen Fieldhouse history, three points better than UCLA and, and also Missouri. But it didn't happen. And part of that was TCU grabbed momentum right back in the first three minutes of the second half. 
But part of that also was we kind of had emptied our bucket, you know, to, just to get back to down 10. So to your point, Nick, we got to find a way to play from out in front. Coach Self joked uh, today in the press conference, hey, if somebody's got a, uh, you know, a surefire solution to hit your first three buckets of the game, I'll take it. But as he talked about, the first five plays of every game are scripted. They know what they want to do there. And they like to think they can start to do a better job of keeping the opposition from starting off so hot. But if you go back and look at each of these three games, I mean, in, in Cryer's case on Monday night, guys, he was 2 of 11 his previous game versus Oklahoma, and then he can't miss for an entire first half against KU, it felt like. So, you know, sometimes you just run into a buzzsaw on the wrong night, no matter how good you're defending. And many of the shots that TCU hit early in that one, I thought we did a pretty decent job of closing out on. So hopefully we'll see some bricks laid early as opposed to waiting for the percentages to catch up late. In most cases, percentages have caught up. But if you're already in a 15-point hole, there's no guarantee that you're going to catch up just you know because the other team starts to cool off. So here's hoping we can get that solved. Well, one thing that I thought was also interesting, um, you had him as, as the player guest on Hawk Talk earlier this week, was kind of the discourse around Joe Yesifu, a guy that we've seen the past couple games start to get even more minutes than a guy like Bobby Pettiford. And I don't know if that's just situational, like Bobby got in foul trouble in the K-State game, or if it has to do with maybe Joe being a better pairing for what the team needs right now, like a scoring punch off the bench. But um, so far, he's yet to really get that scoring aspect going from what he was his final couple months at Drake. And I remember last year, there were different points that you know Bill Self talked about how he, he wanted to do what the coaches asked of him so much, but sometimes he was overthinking the game. And they, they just needed to kind of pare it down for him so he could be more of a scorer. And when I heard some of the comments that Coach Self made on Tuesday uh, about his abilities as a scorer, that he can kind of provide some of that stuff off the bench, does that mean that Joe Yesifu, is, is he like the biggest key to unlocking some scoring punch and, and some impact more than they're getting right now? From the bench? I don't know if he's the biggest key, but he might be the most immediate key. Um, and, and maybe considering we only have, what, five, six weeks left on this regular season, maybe he is the biggest key. Because I, I still have you know, higher hopes from what we could get out of MJ Rice and what's probably realistic this season, just based on all the time he's missed. Curtis Townsend said the other day on pregame that realistically, MJ's still in November in terms of development and guys like Keontae George and Grady Dick are obviously about to turn the calendar to February, just, just based on me back, uh, kidney stones, COVID, you know, it's just one thing after another. I still feel like there's something there from him that, that we could tap into much more so than we have. And you hope, you know, Zuby and Ernest bring something stronger there too. But in terms of immediate firepower and, you know, best shooter in terms of three-point prowess off the bench, it's definitely him. MJ's not going to fill it up like like Joe could. Bill said on record the other night that Joe could be a three- or four three-pointer off-the-bench type guy. Not every night, but in, in certain isolated situations where you need that lift, that uh, Vinny the Microwave Johnson type burst off the bench, you know, and, and that's a way-too-old reference for – Probably. I was gonna say, I think, I think Lance Leipold would have appreciated that reference. 
Oh, he would have loved that. Yeah. Love that. But that, that's what we need Joe to be. And, and I think you're right that Joe overthought it a lot last year. And he's adjusting to a different type of coaching, a much different, you know, caliber of play night in and night out based on the competition going from the Valley to the Big 12. And, you know, some guys get chewed up and spit out and never make that transition. He found a way to weather the storm, found a way to impact several games. We all remember the, the game uh, up in Ames when he was about a half hour down the road and a bunch of buddies from Drake drove over and he put on his best display. I still think he's got that in him. And Bill Self obviously does too. And the best thing that happened on Tuesday's Hawk Talk when Self made that proclamation was nothing that was heard on air. But it was something I witnessed as, as Joe got done with his interview, put his headset down, and started to walk back to his table to have some Wilson wings or pizza or whatever it was. Bill stopped him, put his hands on both shoulders, and said, hey, I meant what I said. You can be that, and you need to be that for us. Let's get it done, bud. And then I tapped him on the backside, sent him back to the table. And it's just, it's, it's little, uh, you know, little Always a coach like that, you know, even at Hawk talk on a Tuesday night, you know, he's infusing confidence. He did so in a bold public way saying what he said, but then just in case it didn't resonate completely with Joe, and just in case Joe thought that was coach speak for the cameras when no one else was looking, he stopped him and looked him dead in the eye and said, Hey, I meant that. And we need that. Let's get it done. You know, and that, that just really resonated with me because that's five extra seconds and, and one extra comment shared, but it was very intentional and the type of thing that I think sows seeds for, you know, a greater harvest to be reaped later. So that's, that's one of the brilliant moves of, of countless ones we've seen in Bill Self's career to jumpstart guys. He knows how, you know, coach up guys based on what they need and, and the type of tough love or, or uh, you know, extra put your arm around a guy that certain guys may respond to, and he knew what Joe needed in that moment. Now let's see if it sparks something going forward. Well, me and Nick just jotted down with a big underline and a highlight, Joe Yesifu, for tomorrow's Rock Chalk Pickahawk, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> so KU takes on Kentucky on Saturday, and obviously the big you know matchup, everybody's keeping an eye on how on earth is Kansas going to keep Oscar Sheebway off the glass, especially after Baylor just had as many offensive rebounds as they did Overall, what sticks out to be out this matchup, and, and how do you think KU goes about defending Oscar? Well, I, I thought that uh, Jalen had some good comments today about bringing the physicality to him, playing him before the catch, forcing him further out, uh, you know, doing everything they need to do to you know really make it tough on him to get deep paint touches and force some of the other guys on the perimeter to beat them. Now, ever since their win over Tennessee, they, they've shuffled the lineup a little bit to where there's more scorers and shooters on the floor, and that's something that's a concern for Bill. You don't want to sell out just to stop Sheboy and then have one of four other guys raining in threes on you. So it's, it's a healthy balance of, of trying to keep KJ out of foul trouble, but letting KJ be enough of a pest to Oscar to where you don't have to trap and double team all the time because they've found a much more potent mix and throwing in three balls during their winning streak, which again goes back to that Tennessee game. It was kind of a crossroads moment for them, you know, back at the, at the start of league play when they opened one of three and they, they lost to South Carolina, and 
you know, a lot of folks were talking at that point, is, is this going to even be an at-large bid team from Kentucky? But they've done some things to, to shake up some of their lineup combinations, and now you're seeing them hit at a much higher clip in terms of offensive efficiency, and obviously the wins are piling up too. So, sure, Seaway is the biggest key, and it's also our biggest mismatch in terms of length and size and all that. But but be very mindful of what some of these other guys can do, particularly from deep. And, you know, you toss in the keys that Nick brought up earlier of getting off to a faster start, putting the pressure on them. I think all these things are important. But I'm excited to see how we play with a little freer mind, less pressure, still a big game, still means a lot to our fans. And as Bill Self said, it's kind of a seed line game. If you win it, you know, on your resume, it, it could be enough to bump you up a seed. But beyond that, Tuesday is what really matters. And so for guys like DeWan, who's really been struggling, or Kevin that still needs to string a couple of good games together back-to-back and get his stroke back, it's going to be a big stage, bright lights, all that, but it's, it's not nearly the pressure that Tuesday night will be. And so with a freer, clearer mind, let's just go out and, and play our game, see if we can play from out in front, take it to these guys, pay them back for an 18-point beatdown a year ago, take the six-game lead in the all-time wins chase and move it to seven, because that sucker's closed in about three spots in the last week and a half. Let, let's bump it back up one. Let's go back home to Lawrence on a happy plane on Saturday night and really get fired up for what matters the most on Tuesday. So that's what I'm looking forward to. and I hope with a little less pressure, um, because I don't think anybody in that locker room is thinking about the fact that Self's never lost four in a row at Kansas. Nobody's saying that right now. Uh, they're just thinking, hey, we got a chance to step outside of the meat grinder that is the Big 12 and, and have some fun on Saturday and hopefully do so in, in victorious fashion. Because if you do that, suddenly some of these chicken littles and bluebirds will start to chirp a little less and, and we'll get a chance to get some momentum back, just as Kentucky's done. Because two weeks ago, if you think the, the chicken littles are loud this week in Lawrence, it was ten times that in Lexington. And my, oh, my, have they changed the narrative in the last two weeks. He is Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. You can hear him here on KLWN. You can also hear him on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. We had some uh, stuff go on with, with that, so that wasn't on uh, the air on Tuesday. So apologies for that. I know we mentioned that on our other station, but you've, you might be wondering if you tried to listen there. But should be able to hear him there on Saturday as well. Brian, appreciate the time as always. And uh, before we let you go, a word from Nate Miller. Always a pleasure to be on with you guys. Appreciate you so much. And, yes, I appreciate my man, Nate Miller. He's got a game plan for you and your financial future, just like Bill Self has a game plan for Coach Cal in Kentucky. So hit him up today at MillerRetirementGroup.com, MillerRetirementGroup.com. Whether you already got a portfolio full of investments or you're just starting to get serious about it, they want to sit down and take a look at that game plan with you today. So check him out. Guys, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Rest up those vocals, Derek. You're sounding better and better, my man. <laughs> some of that singer-saving grace I told you about, it's the opera singers use. You'll be uh, hitting those high notes in no time, my man. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks, I Brian. love it. That's Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. Hear him on the call with the Jayhawk Radio Network on Saturday. Pre-game 5.30 here on KLWN. Tip-off at 7 o'clock. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. All right. We uh, got some Jalen Wilson audio. We'll share that with you next. RCST. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. 
get to our KU mailbag here in a second. Then we'll get to some uh, Bill Self audio. After that, at uh, 5.05, we'll have Corilla Middlebrook, the assistant coach for KU Women's Basketball, then Florida Man Mad Libs after that. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered. They're located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence, a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. Check out Venue 1235 today. All right, KU Mailbag for the week. Thank you to everybody who submitted questions. First one from Scott. If you and Nick were playing a tournament of two-on-two basketball against other radio crews around the Big 12, and Nick jumped out of the way instead of taking a charge at game (laughs) point and you lost, as it allowed a layup, would it ruin your relationship with each other? Okay. First of all, rude. (laughs) Second of all, listen, if you know me, you know that I'm not really athletically gifted at all. So in a hypothetical situation where we were playing two-on-two basketball— my sole purpose would be to take a charge. Like, I wouldn't have any other responsibilities. I would get the ball, I would pass to Derek, and then he would do his thing, and I would take a charge. So That's I have a couple things here. One. So I, why would I, how would I fail in my own role? No, I mean, I, like, I just, number one, to begin with, if we really are doing a two-on-two basketball tournament, I don't want you taking charges. Why not? What else, what else do you want me to do? it's a two-on-two pickup basketball game. We don't need to be taking charges <laughs> in pickup basketball. Okay, I, but you understand that um, I, there's not really a whole lot else I can offer. If you legitimately take charges in pickup basketball... Are you, you the worst guy? Yes. <laughs> like, come on. I mean, if, if this is for, like, money or something, like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but, like, if this is just pickup basketball, we're just playing this tournament front, and you're taking charges on people... Everybody so around the Big 12, all these other radio crews would be like, can you believe this guy? So you're saying that if I didn't so actually take charges, that is what would ruin our relationship. Not No, it wouldn't. To be clear, it would not ruin the relationship. <laughs> but I would be like, Nick, please stop doing that. You are embarrassing me. All these other people are talking about us. Well, and you like, might be more embarrassed if you saw me try to shoot a three. No, but at least, like, I understand, you know, if you're, if you're missing a three, you might just be bad at basketball. You yes. might just... Which now, is what I am. If you're taking a charge, you don't have to be good or bad. That is just a, a choice by you to be a a gnat, a gnat in the ointment, so to speak. Like, that's, no, do to not be, do that. To be Mr. No Fun Guy now, at the pickup basketball game. Yes. Now, that said, let's say in my mind. Like, we're playing to 21. I'm not viewing this as much as you taking a charge and get. Let's say that you just have the interior defense, and you're the last line of defense for this person, but he's coming in at full speed, and I'm watching, and I'm like, Nick, come on, hold up <laughs> defensively. And you just olay and get out of the way, and you're like, no, just take the take the layup. I don't want to get ran over. At that point, I would be mad. I would be mad, and I'd be like, Nick, get your body out there. <laughs> I don't know. Put I'm not it on afraid the line. to put my body on the line. Yeah. I'm not afraid um, to do that. So I would be upset with you for a quick moment, but no, I would I would not be like mad at you for like actual long term <laughs> reasons. That'd be silly reason to be mad at someone. I have a really hilarious story, but it mm-hmm. might take too long. I don't know. Should I get into anything? Yep, I go can for it. Pretty short. Okay. Yeah. When I played pee wee football and I played little league football in like fourth grade, on defense I was a defensive back because I was really small. I was always the smallest guy in the field. Well, this other team we were playing had a guy that evidently had just hit puberty. Before everybody else. So, you know, the classic case of, uh-huh. like, the dude's just way bigger than everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, they gave him, a pit, like, a toss, like a toss sweep, okay? So I'm playing, like, cornerback, and I'm out there. And the guy just absolutely destroys me. Just I, like, I come up, and I'm like, I'm there. I am there, ready to make the play. And I just get absolutely steamrolled, 
okay? But I grabbed his by like his I grabbed like his shoelace or something and slowed him down enough to where we tackled him. Because it, this was the type of guy where it was like every time he got the ball, it took like six of our team to tackle him, right? So the fact that me, one guy, actually slowed him down enough to where we like sort of tackle him, it was awesome. But anyways, I I in the process of that happening, I earned a nickname from some of the other coaches and some of the coaching staff. They started calling me Speed Bump Springer. <laughs> because I but that just that's evidence like that that's I'm not little... afraid I'm not afraid to step up and put my body on the line. I, I feel like that's both a compliment and a slap in the oh, face. Oh, 100%, nickname. yes. Because it's like you it's can't like, do anything but just be like in the way. Slow him down a little bit. Yeah, you're, also... not gonna, you're not going to stop him, but you're you're not the stop <laughs> sign, but you are. You, you're slow him down no, a little. I 100% but... agree. 100% agree. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the type of nickname where you're like, oh, yeah, wait. Wait a second. Are you actually dissing me? <laughs> but it's like you take it in an so, endearing yeah, that's way. That's what I became known as in like my fourth grade football team. All right. Because I was – oh, but listen, again, like I said – that just proves I'm willing to put my body on the line. I was the smallest guy out there. I could have easily just got out of the way of this dude who was like six foot, two hundred pounds in fourth grade. But I, I stood my ground, sort, right. of, sort I, of. I would like people to start referring to you as Speed Bump Springer. No, please don't. <laughs> uh, this one from Sam. Any way to find the largest deficit KU has faced in Big Twelve standings before winning at least a share of the league? Short answer: Yes. Yes, there is. Is that all? No. Oh, oh, you oh, actually want me to, to talk about it? I think we actually it? have to okay. tell him what no, uh, So, keyword here is winning the league. Like, for instance, 2021, they were 4-4, four and four, and they were four games behind Baylor, and they didn't win the league, right? But he wants to know basically how much have they gotten down and still won the league. Okay. So, if we, we can look at this two ways. We can look at it overall. We can look at it to the point in the season they are now, which is through eight games. And even then, it's not going to be totally equivalent because back before the Big 12 was what it is now you only played 14, 16 league games 16, instead of 18 16. um but if we look at it through eight games there are five occasions in bill self's tenure where they were down through eight games and still won at least the share of the league but they were never down by more than one game which they're not down they're down only down one Correct. game this year because Iowa State beat K State yep. down one game so yep. 2020 this is uh, that team was seven and one, but they were down a game because Baylor was eight and zero. KU ended up winning the league by two games. Uh, Twenty sixteen, they were five and three, which is the same record they are now. And this sounds kind of familiar. They were down one game to a very, very difficult Big Twelve where you had a lot of teams contending for the. They were down one game to West Virginia, Oklahoma, and Baylor. That's exactly what you have right three. now. That's exactly what you have. They're right down now. three. Yeah. Five and three, and there's three teams. Texas, in front of you. Iowa State, K State. Yep, they won the league that year by two games. <laughs> and that, huh. that was the season they lost. Uh, the reason they were 5-3, and three, they lost three straight road games. That's very interesting. Yep. 2011, they were 7-1, and one, down a game to Texas, who was 8-0, but KU won the league by game. Then you have 2007 and 2006. They were 6-2 and two both years. In 07, they were down a game to Texas A&M. KU won the league by game. And in 2006, they were down a game to Texas. KU shared the league that year. So all those occasions are ones of them coming back and, and winning it. Yeah. Um, so, but if you go to overall, because that basically paints the picture that through eight games, it's been at most one game. If you go back to overall, the most they've been down and still won the league, like I said, the, the year a couple of years ago, you were down four games. Of course, you didn't win the league. The most they've been down at any point and still won the league is two games. So 2006, you trailed Texas by two games, but that was through three games. You were one and two. They were three, and zero. Oh. you ended up sharing the league. 
Um, you were down one game. You were 11-3. and Texas was 12-2 and with just two games left in Big 12 play. You still ended up finding a way to share the league. Uh, 2007, you were never down by more than one game. 08, you were down a game when you were 9-3. and Texas was 10-2, and but quickly tied after that, shared the league. 2009, you were down a game. You were 8-1. and Oklahoma was 9-0. and um, But you ended up winning the Big 12 by a game. Blake Griffin got hurt, and they lost the game to like Texas. Then you have uh, 2011. You were down two games at one point. You were 9-2. and Texas was 11-0 and and had beaten you in Allen Fieldhouse. And that felt like the one where it was like, yeah, this this might be tough. Because at that point, that was a 16-game Big 12 season. So you only, only have five. five left. You're down two games with five left. And they won the Big 12 by a game. They didn't even share it. <laughs> so that's the example of being like... You're never really out of it. Yeah. Especially five games and, down... And- Really, even more, even more so. Like in a, when the league is as tough as it is, you're definitely never really out of it because anyone can be. Kansas just went on a three game slide, but any other team in the Big Twelve could go on a three game slide at any moment. It feels like. So in 2013, you were down a game, seven and three. K State was eight and two. You shared the title. 2016, uh, we talked about that one already. Um, you were also. This is I, I forgot about this one because we always remember the KU West Virginia comeback in Allen Fieldhouse in um, 2016, where yeah. Devontae Graham has. You know, the Shimmy Shake 3, um, I think was that 2016-17. Um, nonetheless, you were down one game. You were 7-3 and three in Big 12 play. West Virginia was 8-2. and two. So if West Virginia so, doesn't have that comeback loss, they're up two games with, at that point, games left, still seven to go, I think. Seven games. So, I don't know. You probably still end up coming back and, and winning. Who knows? But uh, come back and you never look back from there. 2018. You were eight and four at one point. Texas Tech was nine and three, and then I think you had a big game in Lubbock that you won on the road. KU ended up winning the league that year by two games, and then uh, 2020 you were down a game. You were 12 and one. Baylor was 13 and zero, and yet KU won the league by two games. <laughs> like it's not shocking that KU won the league, only being down a game there. But the fact that yeah. they won that league by two games, yeah. and think about that: if they lose that game in Waco. Baylor's 14-0, and and KU's 12-2. and So at that point, best you could have done is a split, but they ended up winning by two games. Uh, and then last season, you were down one game when you were 1-1, one one, but <laughs> not really worth it. So uh, short answer is two games with like five games to go is the worst position you've been in. Yeah. This one from Jayhawk for life. Two scenarios. Pick the most favorable option. One, KU is down one. One second left in the game. Udoka is shooting free throws. I, I would assume two free throws that he did not get fouled on a two a three point shot. Um, <laughs> number two, KU is down two, five seconds left in the game. Kevin McCuller is shooting a three. What you mm, taking? This is interesting. McCuller, okay. The deal with McCuller is like when he was struggling offensively, he was still hitting clutch shots, so he could be a guy that maybe in the clutch steps up big, right? I think you probably have to pick that just because of the struggles of Doak. The argument I would make for Doak is you tell him to intentionally miss the second shot and just go rebound and dunk it. Like, isn't that the best option there? I right? don't know. No, no, I don't know. That's I mean, or, that, or, that also or you relies... just Doak and you just gamble on him going at least one of one and then you're at least going to overtime. I mean, one of two. I Or one of two, yeah. But that's the thing. You can't rely on that is the problem. For his career, Yudoka Azubuki was a 41.6% free throw shooter. 
It's like there's not a guarantee that he even makes one of two. He makes one. I know. That's Especially in a so you'd have to, clutch moment. So what you'd have to do is, if you pick Doak, your options are you hope he, you hope he makes the first one, and then at least you're going overtime probably. And if he misses the first one, you tell him to intentionally miss the second and rebound it and dunk it. But see, it's the, the hardest guy to get that offensive rebound, I feel like, is the guy shooting it. No, because he puts it up and then he just falls into the lane. I guess. But do you really trust, if, if Doak doesn't have enough touch to consistently make free throws, like just chuck do you it at trust the rim. that he's going to have enough touch to be able to hit the rim? Just chuck it at a, the rim. But if you miss the rim and it hits the backboard, it's it's just, <laughs> you're screwed. I'm you, not telling you it's the I mean, right option to pick. I'm just telling you. If you're if you're in that situation, that's what you would have to do, right? Well, I guess I don't know. Yeah, I guess in that situation, I don't know. That's that's kind of a weird one. So with Doke, <laughs> the the thing is, we can we can agree he's not making both, correct? Probably not. So realistically, you're, it's either overtime or he missed. That the means you have about a forty percent chance of going to overtime, or of him making the first and then missing the second, <laughs> and then you dunk it and win in the regulation. All right. Well, I'm I'm, I'm putting that. Thing aside, okay, we just clone Doke, and then that way we have Doke's rebounding the Doke miss. <laughs> but that just means if you have a forty percent chance of even just going to overtime, and if in overtime you're a fifty-fifty chance of winning, that means you only have a twenty percent chance of winning in that situation. Oh, fine, sure, whatever. With the Kevin McCuller one. <laughs> let's say because right now he's shooting like twenty-nine percent from three this year. I think. Yeah. First career is around thirty. Um, in that situation, though, you would kind of assume it's going to be a more guarded three. So maybe the percentage goes down. But then again, like you said, he's he's at clutch shots. Yep. So let's just say he's 30% from three. Okay. Um, but it's not just that you have 30% of him making the shot to go to overtime like the Doak one was. It would be a 30% chance to win the game because it would put you up one. Yes. As opposed to the Doak one where you'd have to make. Um, so... But then I guess there's still five seconds left. So the other team, are they going to get like a half court shot off? I, I don't know. And Maybe. I don't know how good of a chance that has of going in. I don't know. I think I'm taking the Kevin McCuller three. I'm going to clone Doke and have Doke intentionally <laughs> miss his rebounds. And then the other Dokes are going to rebound the free throw and dunk it and easy W. Mm. Question for me right now. What's that? Five Udoka Azubukis versus five Dewan Harris's. Who wins? Doke. Easily. But right? he's just... How is he going to get the ball up the floor? How is how's Dewan going to score? He's just going to outrun him, shoot threes? No, you just here's what I here's what I would do. <laughs> I would just <laughs> post one doke mm-hmm. on defense and just play four on five offense with four dokes. <laughs> we would still be able to dunk it and score on Dewan and then just, but play, have, gonna just take, post up one doke on defense dude, and he's never going to have any run out. But what you forget is officials punish guys for being too big. And so if Dewan takes any charge, they're calling it on Doak. And he's well, going to take a billion charges. And Dewan <laughs> is going to steal everything from Doak when he is not in the half court. He just holds it above his head and throws it to the <laughs> other Doak. I don't understand what's so, what's so difficult. But and Dewan then on defense, jump that high on defense you just take all five Dokes and create a semicircle around the basket, and they can just block everything. <laughs> and Dewan's not going to make any, enough threes to win, I don't think. Hmm. It's Doak easily. An interesting chess match. Doak would win by 20. I, I still don't think... I think he's not getting the ball up the court. I really don't. Dewan's going to steal like every inbound. When he How, does dude, get he it can in... Throw, he's a, he's a dude, two okay, feet taller than Do you Dewan. realize Udoka holding the basketball over his head is still going to be shorter than the rim? And Dewan Harris can touch the rim. So he still can get up there and <laughs> tap the ball away. It's not like me doing it to like a my four-year-old nephew... <laughs> Who's a foot tall? I don't, 
He okay, can still fine. get the ball. Okay, fine. I'm picking Doak. Okay, uh, Tim, would trading this Dewan Harris for 2018 Devontae Graham help both teams? Interesting. I I think the short answer is, is probably no. I don't think it helps the 2018 team, does it? Well, I, I think the argument you could make is as good as the 2018 team and was. Yeah, that, that team has Frank. No, 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 no. 2018 was the uh, final four year post Frank. Okay. So 2018, it was Devontae, Svi, LeGerald Vick, Malik Newman. And then you had like Doak and uh, like Dwight Colby and some other centers. Okay. Um, so for that 2018 season, that Kansas team was fifth on offense in the country. They were 47th on defense. So hypothetically, I mean, obviously. It's easy to be like, well, Devontae was a first-team All-American. Dewan's not, so they're going to get worse. But also, you can make the argument, Dewan's a really good facilitator. And if you have Svee, LeGerald they, they Vick, Malik shooting. Newman around him, right? They have, they have enough shooting. And then you can go to defensive lineups off the bench with Dewan and Marcus Garrett. And then you have Dewan down even, low. Okay, but would Dewan even start on that team? Well, in this hypothetical, when you're trading Devontae, I think you would. Uh, okay. Because that was freshman Marcus Garrett. Um, so it wasn't like the, the full form of him, I guess, yet. Yeah. So, I I, I think the net negative of what you lose, Devontae, offensively, would make that team worse. But you could make the argument that it fills enough holes with the defense and that basically the offense you would lose with Devontae would just get picked up more because of the facilitator with those good shooters. Yeah. And obviously, Devontae would help this team. I mean, yeah. A ton. Yeah. They need scoring from the point guard position or from the guard lead guard positions. Yeah, and just a guy who can create off the dribble also. Mm-hmm. Like, right now... Really, Jalen Wilson's the only guy that can truly create his own offense off the dribble. Grady is just—he's—he's he's more of a spot-up guy. He can cut, but he can't really do it on his own with the ball. So yeah, Devontae certainly would benefit this team in a lot of ways. The thing that makes it tough for the 2018, anytime I get asked a hypothetical about the 2018 team, is that they lost by a billion points to Villanova, and I'm not sure there's anything I can do to change that. You know, it's—it's one of the situations where. Any team that walked on the floor probably was going to lose by a billion points. Right. So I guess in that sense, do we make the trade? Because then, you know, it doesn't change anything for the 18 team. That's and true. Then it like, makes the team better, that's right? True. If we're making the trade and it's like, the, if we make the trade, the 2018 team wins a national title, mm-hmm. then you make the trade. Right. Because And then also this team can still win the national title. We don't know. But if it doesn't change anything for what that team. What does it hurt? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Fred, what's the best type of cookie? <laughs> the answer here is definitely chocolate chip cookies. Easily. So just I think straight chocolate chip. I don't really like oatmeal. Peanut butter just doesn't do a whole lot for me. And sugar cookies are like, depending on, to me, what makes a sugar cookie great is not that it's a sugar cookie. It's like whatever is with it. So like the frosting or whatever, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm hard pressed to say that that's the best cookie because it's not about the cookie. Yeah. Whereas a nice, warm, chocolate chip cookie, little crunch around the outside, gooey inside. Ooh. I think that's the thing. Like you will have better cookies over the course of your life. You'll you'll go to a fancy cookie shop and you'll get a you know some gourmet cookie that's not just a chocolate chip that's enhanced or that is yeah. a bunch of different flavors. And those will be better in a vacuum. But I think just if you just view it if you're from just a, gonna, on a Friday night, if you're just yeah. gonna stay in. On a cold winter evening. Classic. It's easy. It's cookies. simple. Chocolate, chocolate chip. chip. It's yeah. got to be the answer. Okay, what about the sugar cookies that you can buy from the store with the frosting on? How do you feel about those? 
I, I don't mind them. I, I rarely go out of my way to buy them. I, I think we have enough cookie places in Lawrence that I prefer those. But I, I never have a problem are, with them. Those cookies are kind of a... My wife know. hates them. They're very See, controversial. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They're a very mm-hmm. controversial cookie. Yes. Hey, people either hate them or they like them. Yeah, like, so if, if I go to a, uh, for instance, like I go so to like a Super if you, Bowl party. If you go to Dylan's after the show and buy a box of those cookies and take them home, your wife is going to be like, what are you doing? No, she'll just be like, well, I hope you enjoy all your cookies. Like, you know, she's not going to eat That's kind of genius for you, actually. I, I guess it then works. Because you know that nobody else is going to eat your cookies. But see, that's the thing for me. Like, I don't like them enough that I'm going to consistently go buy them myself. But if I'm at a Super Bowl party and somebody has them and you're, there's all that You're definitely stuff, taking I'll be like, a couple. Yeah, I'll have one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Do you? Oh, yeah. You like I think them? they're yeah. great. Okay. Yeah, I think they're great. Okay. Yeah. But I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I'm not like a... I don't just go buy them yeah. all the time, yeah. but I mean, I'm but definitely every so often. It's if, like, oh, if they're crazy, available to right? me. I'm definitely For taking sure. a couple of them. They're good. Uh, this one from John. Do you have a favorite March Madness game ever that did not include KU? Mm, interesting. Okay, do you remember Georgia State upsetting Baylor with Ron Hunter? Yeah, that was a good one. Son. That he one falls was really out of good. the chair. Yep, that was uh, a great one. The Duke Butler championship game. As much as I didn't like Duke winning the game. That was, yeah. or even I don't the, know. That wasn't you know, that the, great the, of a game. The Good North Carolina-Villanova game. That was a lot of fun, yeah, yeah back and forth Chris there. Uh, Wisconsin-Kentucky in the final, in the final four, four in 2016. That was a lot of fun. Honestly, I feel a little shame about my true answer here, though. What's that? You're going to hate this. Oh, I am. Um, it was the Sweet 16 in 2000, I think that was 2011. Kansas State-Xavier. It went to double overtime. Okay. You had like Jacob Poland and Denny Clemente. Xavier had a couple good guards, like two Holloway. Guys who were just, I mean, back and forth. The two teams are taking like 30, 35 foot threes. Goes to double overtime. It's like the last game of the night. Uh, Gus Johnson, when he was still doing calls, was on the call. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, that that was probably my favorite tournament game, not including. I, I'm trying to think of more upsets that I would have liked. Uh, I think, I mean, UMBC Virginia, just for the history of it, was a great. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a great game, but just for like in the moment of like, Wow, they're it was actually, actually gonna, 2010. Sorry, <clears throat> like the UMBC game, not a great game, but again, like the history of it, just sitting in the moment watching it, like, wow, holy crap, like they are going to beat a one seed, mm-hmm. like, yeah, just the craziness of that one. I'm trying to think, um, yeah, the Baylor Georgia State one sticks out to me, honestly. I remember the round before that undefeated Kentucky team lost to Wisconsin, they played Notre Dame, that Elite Eight game, I remember being very, very fun. Um, that was the bracket KU was in, but they lost in the second round to Wichita State. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of good ones. March Madness is always fun, but yeah, the, the yeah. K State Xavier one to me sticks out. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Georgia State beat Mail. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our KU mailbag. We got some Bill Self audio. We'll share for you a little bit next. A little bit more after that. This is RCST on. Ben, depend on. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with Nick Springer and. It is a big one this weekend for the KU women's basketball team. They're going to be playing a Sunday game at 5 o'clock against the Kansas State Wildcats. We're joined now by Karyla Middlebrook of the KU women's basketball team, one of the assistant coaches. And um, it'll have been over a week off between games for you all when you do tip off against Kansas State this weekend. Has this been kind of a, a weird week uh, when you're used to playing so much, you know, two games a week? Has, has it been weird not having any games during the week? Um, no, it hasn't been weird. I think that our bye week came at a really good time for us and um, allowed for our players to um, really take advantage of the rest and recovery and uh, put a lot of emphasis on that, getting extra shots up on their own um, and really be able to kind of lock back in on who we are without having to focus on an opponent. So it's been really beneficial for us. 
how is the health of the team? Who are some of the players that it was really important to get this extra time off for? I mean, I think every player benefited from it. Um, So there's not a team in America that's not dealing with some some bumps, some bruises, and banged up a little bit. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think all of our girls did a good job of staying in contact with our athletic trainer, our strength coach, to just do that feel-good recovery stuff for their body. And when you do have this extra time off, besides the extra rest that it gives players – what is the majority of the time spent on? Is it is it self scouting? Is it extra game planning? Just redrilling fundamental things, or I guess what it typically with the extra time do you guys utilize that for from a coaching perspective? Uh, I mean, for us personally, uh, we spend a lot of it on self scouting, really focusing in on what areas we need to improve on, um, kind of what what plays have been working the best for us, which ones haven't. Um, and then also just really honing in on, okay, what are our team's overall weaknesses and how can we go back to drilling those fundamentals um, day in and day out of practice? You know, some of the things that you might not realize that you've kind of been overlooking a little bit or not dedicating as much time to as you would like, and this week gave us the opportunity to kind of put those things back at the forefront. So what are some of the areas right now as we're, we're almost halfway through Big 12 play that you've liked so far from the team, and, and what are some areas that you're looking for the team to improve on as, as these games go on? Um, definitely I think that we can improve on our rebounding, our boxing out, and um, you know, so many instances it's just a matter of turning and finding your man to box out. Uh, I think that we've kind of gotten away with that um, a little bit and just trying to just go get the ball and understanding that, hey, the other team, they're pursuing it too, so let's make it a a harder path to the ball for them if you just put a body on them. So that's definitely an area that we've been focused in a lot. And then um, obviously Tyana Jackson has been uh, really good for us this year, and we need to just be able to continue to feed her. And so – working on post-entry passes, um, working on just her confidence and the moves that she's added to her um, utility belt and her arsenal. Um, and then, you know, I think that we've done a really good job of um, playing at a, at a faster pace and, and pushing it in transition. You know, a lot of that has to do with why that Mayberry, you know, she's just such a quick guard and she can get into the paint and create for our our team. And so that's just, something that we've done well and we want to continue to build upon and you know obviously we have so much confidence in our players and their ability to shoot so I think right now the numbers they're struggling a little bit but they're great shooters and so um, just having extra time to get up more shots and build their confidence that because everyone in our locker room we we trust and we have faith that um, those players can knock down shots and so I'm I'm excited to see those shots start to fall for them. We're talking with Coryla Middlebrook, assistant coach for the KU women's basketball team. Kansas State, the matchup on Sunday. It is at 5 o'clock. Pre-game will start here on KLWN uh, a little before then. Uh, what sticks out about what the Wildcats do well in this Kansas State team, even without uh, you know last year's National Player of the Year who got injured coming into this season? Yeah, I mean, they, they still – they returned their three phenomenal freshmen from last year who are now sophomores and have a larger role in 
Um, they added Gabby Gregory, so she's been really, really good, and um, she's kind of taken over, even though she's not a, a center um, by any means. She's kind of taken over that post presence, and she's a, she's a guard who's really hard to defend in the post. And so um, Coach Mitty and his staff, they do a good job of just keeping teams off balance, whether it's changing defenses and um, changing their offense. And they have just a bunch of different ways that they can pick on the matchup that they like. And so, uh, yeah, it's always – it's always tough playing K-State, just knowing the, the rivalry and the history there. But then you, you add in talented players and a good coaching staff and makes it for a fun battle. And as, as far as what that means with kind of their scouting report and, and what they do well, I guess what does that mean that, that you guys have to do well on Sunday to come out on top? I think first and foremost, we have to stay out of foul trouble. Um, their team does a pretty good job of just – forcing the issue and getting fouls and uh, they're pretty relentless. So we have to be smart and um, stay out of foul trouble. We can't send them to the free throw line, get easy uh, points there. And then we just have to trust um, the play call. Cause again, they'll, they'll switch up their defense a lot. And so whatever coach Brandon calls, we just have to trust whether it's a man, a zone. Um, they have a couple different variations of their zone. And so, um, yeah. And then uh, we just have to play play loose, play free, and have fun. I think that's when we have our most successful games, when our girls aren't overthinking or putting too much pressure on themselves to make the correct play, and they're just out there reacting and having fun together. You formerly played at Kansas State for your final season of college hoops. Now you're coaching at KU, and I know we've talked about this before, that you know you grew up a KU fan and everything. So when you have this matchup, is this, is this kind of a weird – I don't know, game, kind of a bittersweet game for, for you to, to coach in or play in every year? No, it's a lot of fun. Um, I mean, a lot of the coaching staff that's at K-State still right now, they were there when I was there. So it's a good opportunity for me to see my former coaches. Um, and so I, I think it's fun. Obviously, you know, you know who I'm rocking for uh, every time that we meet up. And so I just, I, I want to win, and it, that's always what it's been about. No matter what side of the rivalry I was on throughout my life, I just I want to win, and so uh, that's just that's always going to hold true. Uh, fun one to finish: munchers or varsity donuts? Ooh, now that's that's tough. That is tough. Um, Uh, Do you have a favorite I'll, order at at each place? I'm I'm pretty classic. I, I like a classic glazed donut. Um, so I know that's not very <laughs> that's not very exciting. Um, so no matter where I go, that, that's what I'm going to get. I'm going to get a classic glaze. So I think I'll have to give it the donut itself. I'll give to Munchers. But the uh, environment, the ambiance, I think I, I got to give to Varsity Donuts, just the, the food truck and where it's at like that. It makes for a cool experience. Well, so, you, I don't know. I split it down the middle. There you go. There you go. Well, you shouldn't feel bad that, you know, your favorite is just the, the classic donut. There's a reason it's a classic because everybody loves exactly. it. Yeah. Uh, well, Karyla, I appreciate the time. Good luck on Sunday. Thanks.
That was Karyla Middlebrook, assistant coach for the KU women's basketball team. They take on Kansas State on Sunday at 5 o'clock, and uh, that should be a good one. KU hosting that game. It sucks that it's going to be on around the same time as the uh, Chiefs AFC Championship game, but I, I hope they get a good turnout. You can still go to the game, and then you know you record the Chiefs game, or you make it home by the time the Chiefs game would probably be in like the late second quarter, or maybe halftime, or something like that. But uh, it is a big one for KU, and both teams expected to be NCAA tournament teams. This would be a big win for whichever team comes out on top. We're going to take a timeout, completely switch gears with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We got Florida Man Mad Libs coming up next. This is RCST. This is a Rock Chalk Sports Talk News Alert. Office say this man sold crack to an undercover police officer all while wearing a shirt that said Coke on it. Ever wondered just how crazy headlines can get? And now the Broward Sheriff's Office is looking into this one. So if you recognize the defecating deviant dropping deuces on driveways, give Broward Crime Stoppers a call. Our headline experts have you covered. 42-year-old man was arrested for riding his bicycle on the front lawn of a Naples home and telling a woman inside he was an FBI agent. This is Florida Man Mad Libs with Derek Johnson, Nick Springer, and Sam Speck on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. All right, welcome in to another edition of Florida Man Mad Libs. I was out yesterday. Uh, my voice was even worse yesterday, <laughs> which is you know hard to believe if you heard the Tuesday show or if you're listening to today's show. Um, so thank you to Nick for, for doing that, but... Uh, Sam was kind enough to, to move things over so that we could do Florida Man Mad Libs today. Well, and it worked out because I was coming back from a vacation and long travel. Everybody can deal with mm-hmm. that. But uh, no, let's let's move it to Thursday for this mm-hmm. week. But we'll get back to it next Wednesday. By the way, Nick with a nice victory last week, tying things in aggregate points. However, Derek oh. with a 3-2-2 to two to two lead right now in terms of overall wins. And then, of course, the ties mm-hmm. there. So... Here we go. Florida I Man actually surprise. I have Ooh. one for you. Okay, let's see. Yeah, to let's start do that. things off. Wait, what if it's what if it's one that he has? That, that's funny. That would be a disaster. But uh, let's see here. Because let's find I, out. <laughs> I'm not prepared. Well, it's good. I'm doing this at the start. It, exactly. The okay. What is it? Florida man takes sixty thousand blanks to seventy-seven blanks across the United States. Okay. So your first what one. In the... Okay, first redacted <laughs> Nick, you can one. guess on this as well. 60... I just, I, I, let's try to stump the house here. Okay. Right, so your Florida man takes 60,000 pounds of cocaine, blueberry muffins, or mile road trip to 77 blanks across the U.S. It's got to be. I'm going with muffins. I was okay. thinking muffins, be muffins myself because 77 is an obscure number. That means well, it could be like I don't housing think, okay. or like retirement homes. I don't I'm trying think to think it's on the nice side here. possible to drive 66,000 miles. It's, that's a trek, yeah. That's a, I, mean, I mean, that's to and fro a whole bunch of places. 77. Well, I mean, I think the United States is like... Listen, 60,000 pounds of cocaine, that is... that is. <laughs> I feel like he would have been caught at some point or at some... That's would he a not lot. have been caught with 60,000 muffins also? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Big RV or something? But you know? again, to make that trek... 18-wheeler? Different loca- I'm going to go with muffins. I'm going to lock in with right, muffins. So you're both doing muffins? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. So locking in with muffins. So Florida man takes 60,000 blanks, which you both went with muffins, to 77 blanks across the U.S. 77 college football games, 77 children, or 77 drop zones. So, see, yeah, now you threw me off. Wait, there. what are the options? I got Florida man takes 60,000 blanks to 77 blanks across the U.S., 77 college football games, 77 children, 
77 drop zones. See, here's okay, what if he's got if he's got 60,000 muffins. <laughs> that's not that's way too many for 77 children. That's what I was gonna say. Kids, <laughs> so children is, is that out. doesn't make sense. However, drop zones with pounds of I cocaine it, that could make sense. I think sense. it might be college football games. I, I mean, kind of where I was tailgating. Thinking. Take the muffins to the kid people tailgating. It's kind of what I was thinking because 77 different games, you can run into hundreds of different people at each different game. Thousands. Um, And if you're just giving away muffins. And I don't want to, I want to pick differently than you, Nick. Okay, I'm going to call football games. I'm going to stick with my gut and and say college football games myself. I hate to to guess with you there, but that kind of seems the most logical, but it's probably something completely different. Or, Derek, what is it? So the first one you guys both got wrong. It was not blueberry muffins. The second one was college football games. Oh, Oh, no. Was it the cocaine? Wait, this dude took cocaine to 70 college football games? No, it was just mile road trip. No. Okay. Oh, Oh, my gosh. Okay. See? Well, I'm glad to be a part of your guys' thought process there because, uh, yeah, it's fun to be on the house side, though, isn't it? Because you know the answers. You kind of can manipulate them. So uh, for those at home, we encourage you, uh, again, within that, you kind of got our second round. But within the first round, we'll have a headline with only one redacted word. So here we go, gentlemen. Are we ready? Uh, All right, Nick and Derek again. Derek with a slim lead. We will start with, again, just one redacted word. Florida man was dubbed the blank and then sought by police for break-ins. So again, (laughs) this is a nickname that he was given. And these were the three different options. Florida man dubbed as the cocaine crusader, (laughs) the pooping perpetrator, or the wolf of windows is sought by police for break-ins. So again, he's breaking into different homes around the area. Wolf of windows, pooping perpetrator, or the cocaine crusader. Okay. (laughs) I don't think it's cocaine crusader. I think it's either pooping perpetrator or wolf of windows. Yeah, I don't think it's crusader. That makes him sound like he's a good guy. Well, okay. Here's the reason why I think it's one of those two. Like he's if doing he's it for breaking a cause, into someone's you know? house. Maybe like his signature is that he, he, you know, goes and uses their bathroom okay. after he's done breaking in. Uh-huh. So that's an option. Or the Wolf of Windows makes a lot of sense because he just breaks in through windows. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Wolf of Windows. So Derek, I, I'm going to go with Pooping Perpetrator. Okay, so here it is. Here's the full. You just wanted to say that out loud. Are we? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I just. No, I don't think that. I don't think that a guy that breaks into houses through the windows, that's not enough to get a nickname. Like, you got to be doing something Unless wild. you've done it hundreds of times. And yeah, unless you're like a, unless you're like the greatest burglar of all time. Okay. But if you're the pooping perpetrator, like, everybody knows who that is. You're the guy that poops in people's bathrooms after you steal their stuff. Well, here is the full unredacted as you guys have both locked in. Derek with Wolf of Windows, per- pooping perpetrator for Nick. And it is Florida man dubbed the pooping perpetrator. Wow. What I tell you? And sought by police for break-ins. Actually, it was not the bathroom. He did it on the, the living room table, and it was caught on the uh, oh. the security oh. security camera. And well, a little more his extreme. full facial expression, his full facial, he was arrested very immediately. So he wouldn't have been the Wolf of Windows because he only he didn't even get away with one. Man. So he didn't get dubbed that, but Nick coming away. Just with use the bathroom, point. dude. That's good enough. I mean, <laughs> all right. What are we now, doing? As we did uh, just a moment ago with Derek, we have now two redacted words from these upcoming, and a potential of three points worthy, by the way. So Nick with one point already now, leading in the uh, direction of maybe getting that one Bang. seed. Getting that one seed. Okay, here we go. Florida man arrested for throwing a blank at a blank. Okay. Or at blank. So I, you, there's either an A, an N, or just uh, a whichever on the second redacted word. But we will get to okay. that in a moment. A Florida man arrested for throwing quarters, a hot dog, or a brick at blank. Hmm. Well, if someone was throwing quarters at me, I'd be like, ooh, money. Thanks. What if they were like at an arcade? That would be even better. Throw. 
Well, know? that'd be great. Because then yeah, I would have I mean, the quarters to spend at arcade games. What if it's not just a person, though? What if it's like a breakable item or, you know, something to wear? I mean, okay. a, a roll of quarters or a handful of quarters mm-hmm. could maybe do some damage. No, that's now. fair. Uh, a roll of quarters certainly could do some damage. So, again, Florida Man Arrest are the options? throwing either a hot dog, quarters, or a brick at blank. And we'll get to the second. Do you redaction. think throwing a hot dog at somebody is good enough to get you arrested? Like, if you're just on the street and you just uh, throw a hot dog at someone, is that... I think it's technically... Is that battery, right? Yeah, is that technically, technically anything to be could. arrested? I just... See, I wish... This is one where I wish we knew the second blank before we knew the first blank. Because that... <laughs> It's just going to be a complete guess on yeah. the first because we have no context about where they were. So well, why? I am going to pick hot dog. Okay, so Nick's. I'll just be different. I'll take quarters. So Derek's going in with quarters. Nick with hot yeah, because brick so is boring. Florida man, yeah, and it's predictable, right? I mean, Florida man arrested for throwing either a brick, quarters, or a hot dog at a neighbor's window, at passing cars, or at an officer. <laughs> So again, either a hot dog, brick, or quarters was being thrown either at a neighbor's window, passing cars, or an office. So I think the one that makes the most sense for the one I chose, which is quarters, is passing. Did you say passing car? Passing cars. cars. Yeah, that yeah, makes with sense. With an S. So yeah, passing cars. So they're, they're doing different quarters. Cars yeah, are coming by. It's just yeah. a couple juvenile teens, like, you know, doing stupid stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I'll go with that. Um, I, I think if you're doing brick, it would make sense for the window. window. I think the hot dog makes sense with the officer. For the officer? Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. But I mean... Uh, yeah, I'll go with police officer. All right, and I do have full context of this. So you guys locking in there? People at home yep. locked in? Okay, here is the full unredacted headline from Florida. And in fact, this was only about a month ago. Florida man arrested for throwing a hot dog at an officer. Yep. And uh, Bang! his vendor's license was expired. And when asked to leave, he felt harassed <laughs> and hurled a hot dog at the officer. He was charged with a felony, by the way. What? So mm. uh, hopefully he can maybe see. Get that's that what I was saying. Down. I think the second blank there gave it the helps. context to the first. So I don't once know, it could have been quarters at an officer. No, but I, I I thought once you had locked into hot dogs and then we heard the second one. That was that was the easy. <laughs> By the way, Nick with a perfect score so far yeah. through these first two. So here we go. Let's we get to say the about second that, of the uh, <laughs> second round here. Man who blank to escape. Blank is sentenced to house arrest. So we'll start with the first one here. Man who either got ran over, robbed a bank, or stole a vehicle to escape blank is sentenced to house arrest. Okay, so once the, again, either robbed a bank, stole a car, or got ran over. The got ran over one just doesn't make any sense, which is why it might be the right answer. <laughs> but <laughs> also, like, I mean, what are you robbing? Okay, I don't think you'd be sentenced to house arrest if you got if you robbed a bank. Wouldn't you just go straight to jail? Probably. Most likely. Okay, well, so. and, I mean, yeah, that you would be arrested <laughs> and put in jail, but sentence-wise, that's a different story. You're either sentenced to further prison time or to other I feel like other a charges. bank is a severe enough crime that you would not be sitting at home. <laughs> yeah. What's well, the other it, option? Uh, got ran over, stole a vehicle, or robbed a bank to escape so, blank. Stole a vehicle could be it. I just don't understand the angle Stop. of got ran over. He's like trying to sell that he wasn't the the person doing the crime, that he was just oh, a victim. Oh, you're saying that like he, oh, he intentionally jumped in yeah. front of a car or something? It's like, you know, when you see in uh, movies where, you know, there's somebody on the inside and they're helping him like whatever, rob a bank or do whatever it is. And then they're like, yeah, but you got to make it look like I'm not part of this. So he's like, shoot me in the leg or something so that it looks like I'm, you know, I tried yeah, to fight innocence you. Innocence within it. Yeah, I'm going to do the run over one. Okay, ran over. I'm just going to go there. with 
I'm just going to go with stolen vehicle here. I don't know. Nick going with stolen car. Okay, so man who either got ran over, stole a car, or robbed a bank to escape a family dinner, <laughs> jury duty, or his wife is sentenced to house <laughs> arrest. So, again, he either got ran over, stole a car, or robbed a bank to escape either a family dinner, his wife, or jury duty. Okay, I think I know what it is. But no, go yeah. ahead, I'm going jury duty. Jury yeah. duty for dirt. Yeah, I, I don't okay. know why you would get it's got house ran over, arrest for the other two reasons. It's got ran over to avoid jury duty. Yeah. Right? It's like he doesn't want to go to jury duty, so he tells his friend, hey, run me over so that I have an excuse <laughs> why I don't have to go to jury duty. Supposed to just calling and be like, hey, <laughs> yeah. can you just push this back? Like, oh, man. Are, well, okay. And also, getting out of jury duty is super easy. Yes, it is. I mean, I've gotten out of it multiple times, and I haven't even yep. done anything. Yeah, and, and well, this guy. I mean, you certainly have to, you certainly don't have to run you yourself know. over. Um, okay, I'm gonna go with family dinner, just in case <laughs> it's not escaping jury duty, because you know, this guy's at family dinner. He's like, dude, this sucks. I'm gonna go <laughs> Grand Theft Auto, steal a guy's car, and get out of here. Yeah. Well, here it is, gentlemen, and I love the irony within this story because actually the house takes this one. A man who really? robbed a bank to escape his wife is sentenced to house arrest, which what? means after trying to escape his wife, he is now sentenced to staying at home. I doubt she'll stick around. How is robbing but a bank? What? You only get is house arrest. I have no to, idea. I well, have no idea. I don't idea. understand how that helps him get away from his wife. <laughs> it is actually does. It's a, bunch a worse of money? sentence now. Like he thinks if he just well, I think in his mind he's going to steal a bunch of money and then take off and live on an island somewhere. But or get or jailed go to jail forever. and I'd be yeah, away from I mean, it. Hey, no. newsflash! Get a divorce. Yeah, seriously. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Figure it out, man. Get a divorce. He couldn't afford the divorce Holy lawyer. That's why he needed to rob a bank, dude. Oh man, he what? thought he thought. Of I don't extreme. have any sympathy for this guy. Yeah, he he just thought literally of get a divorce. Thought him an extreme excuse to maybe get out of a marriage, and uh, it backfired on him. I, I would imagine she probably left at some point or something of that man. Well, I mean, so. okay, so I guess the plan worked then. Yeah, I guess, yeah, but now you're with a Good. felony bank Dude. robbing charge and never to be employed again. So let's what see. In the Nobody got a point there besides the house. Now, here is actually a good one. It's an Australian man, which is basically the Florida of the globe. Okay. So an Australian man faces charges after blanking, so it's a verb, an e-scooter rider with a blank. <laughs> so we will start with the first redacted word. An Australian man faces charges after burning... Injuring wow. or blinding an e-scooter rider with a blank. Those we'll get are to the all one. very aggressive. It's rather intense. This guy's burning. Is he, really, like, this guy just he really like hate... up on the top of his apartment and he dropped like napalm on the guy? <laughs> like, what? Does this guy just really no. hate e-scooters? I'm confused. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Let's see. So, again, blinding, injuring, or burning. I don't feel like, like it's injuring. Rider. I think it's got to be either blinding or burning. Yeah, injuring is rather vague, right? Could maybe be. he like or, pepper, Maybe he pepper sprayed him? I'm going with blinding. I, I just don't see the burning one. I don't know how. I was going to go with blinding, too, but since you picked it, I will pick burning. Pick okay, burning. so Nick's going with Dude, burning. Dude, he could have easily just, like, uh, dropped like a lighter. Hot car on oh, him. Taking a lighter with, you know, spray or whatever. What? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about, <laughs> but why would some guy just be sitting there on the side of a road as a scooterist drives by, and he's just, like, <laughs> well, he's just like, well, there's old. There's old fire. There's I have more of the story. I don't know. I have the context. Just sitting on the side of the road, burning somebody. I have the context of this story too, so I can't <laughs> wait to compare all of them to the actual real one. So Derek going with blinding, Nick going with burning. Those at home locked in. Australian man faces charges after either blinding, injuring, or burning an e-scooter rider with a laser pointer, a high-powered flashlight, or a potato. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. <laughs> See, now, <laughs> well, I feel now, like, now I think burning could be logical. No, because how is he? 
I mean, how's he gonna? The guy was on one of the scooters. He was making too much noise. He's doing wheelies in the in the. So what? He put a baked potato in the microwave until potato. it got no, super no, hot, he and then already, chucked he it already at him. had a baked potato yeah. burnt or going in the in the oven, and he was like, you know what? This guy needs to learn his lesson. He had nothing out. He he took the baked potato, threw it at him. The guy tried to catch it, and it so, burnt his hands. So okay, so yeah, so we were taking burning too literally. Yes. is what you're saying. Yeah, like, I envisioned the guy like, like a, a flame. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You said blinding, and you I did say blinding. I mean, laser pointer. I feel like is the natural flashlight. Yeah. You're blinded by a flashlight. I guess it's a little tougher. I'm, I'm gonna go laser pointer. So laser pointer, and you can probably also get burned by a laser pointer. I would imagine, <coughs> depending on the. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it, high tech. Knows? But again, potato, <laughs> laser pointer, or a high-powered flashlight. <laughs> I, think, I think it's gonna be I potato think just and burning. For the fun of it, I, really I have to do. go. I have to go with potato. <laughs> so here, okay, so next. But yeah, okay. I'm just trying to think. Like, he must have. I, I have. I still don't understand because it. I. I what, in what circumstances would you be in a situation where you would have a baked potato just armed and ready? I told you he was to just, just he was just already making it. It just it was happened. Okay, but then it, so this is like a guy outside of his in his driveway, like no, at his he's, house? Like, he's like hanging out in his house. He's making dinner, you know. It, okay, it, how does have the a e-scooter nice rider come into that? And this guy is rents one of the e-scooters and he pulls up into his little cul-de-sac and he's doing wheelies and burning rubber and making all sorts of noise, honking the horn. Oh, what? And the guy's like, screw this guy, stop. And he comes out and he goes, hey, could you please quiet down? And the guy keeps doing him. And then he goes in and he's like, I'm so mad. And he's like, oh, wait, Dude, I'm taking potatoes out. Dude, if you're at your out. house, and then, boom. I could think of a hundred different things besides a baked potato. First of all, that's a perfectly good ruined baked potato, number one. Like, what do you need for dinner now? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Real wise guy there. Mind, in his mind, he's like, how can I make this guy stop without... I'm not going to throw a knife at him, and then I'm going to go to jail for attempted murder, you know? Like, if I throw a potato, in his mind, he's like, oh, nothing bad's going to happen to this Dude, potato. you don't have any, like, charges, apples though. or any... Like, yeah, really yeah, anything not, else. Not murder, yeah, by any means. So, all right, just, do you guys want to hear the full unredacted here? I don't understand okay. it all. Australian man faces charges after blinding... So, there you go, Derek. Blinding okay. an e-scooter rider with a potato. And Come here, on. Here is... <laughs> The story behind it, uh, you guys, I don't know if you ever made one or knew somebody that had their uh, potato cannons that you could make out of PVC pipe and things like that. Okay, yeah. So there was a guy that had a potato cannon and fired one off, and those things come out pretty far and travel a pretty good distance. And if so facto, an e-scooter rider just happened to be on the destination uh. where this potato came down on, struck him in the orbital bone, and is blinded now. So it so was. What? It wasn't even it's intentional. It's a complete the guy was accident. Just, man. The guy was just having some fun. I'm gonna go with my story. Wow. I think that's more entertaining. <laughs> he took a, wow. a baked. Yeah, you guys were getting tripped up on the baked mm-hmm. potato. This was a raw, hardened <laughs> potato. Well, that's because that it was. Yeah. If, if it went that's with a good burning, point. I mean, it had you could have easily just. Yeah, a, a potato is not a soft object. No, I know. You could easily just. easily just. If it had to be the one that went with burning, it uh, had to be like cooked. So you know? each of you got a point on that one. Nick with uh, potato, Derek with blinding. But Nick coming away with a win today and Let's the aggregate points, which puts Nick into first place for the first time in season number two. Congratulations, Mr. Nick Springer. Huge W. Uh, I tried my hardest there, and I appreciate that, Ooh. by the way, to give the house a little bit of a challenge at the beginning yeah. as well. I don't know if we'll do that, that next good. week, that but we'll be one. back next Wednesday as we always are. Thank you, boys, for uh, including me in your fun, and uh, have a good day. Thank you. All right, that's Sam Speck with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST.